we are hoping to show you just what is possible out there in our strange and wondrous world. We travel for business. We travel for pleasure. The story that I had to tell my American audience is very different from the stories that I had to tell to my Rwandan audience. We travel to expand our minds. Of course, the most dangerous animal in Africa is the hippo. More people are killed by hippos than anything else. Whether it's one state over. I was looking for a longer treatment, like 90 days, six months, and my treatment plan was to go hike the Appalachian Trail. Or halfway around the globe. This fantastic high desert. You watch the sky at night, so you just see the milk way and shooting stars. If the world's a book, why only read one page? I'm Elizabeth Hill, and you're listening to a WAMC Northeast Public Radio production. This is Postcards from the Road. Support for Postcards from the Road comes from CEFQ, serving banking, insurance, and investment needs with more than 30 branches across the greater capital region. Also offering assistance to local nonprofit organizations through CEFQ's community support program. CEFQ, changing lives every day. CEFQ.com. Renee St. Jacques is the assistant of public policy at the New York Farm Bureau. After completing her master's in nonprofit management, she found herself longing to give back. In 2014, St. Jacques embarked on a two year journey as an agricultural business Peace Corps volunteer in Cameroon. I felt like I hadn't really given the world everything that the world deserved, I guess, and needed. And I really wanted to make a good impact somewhere. And so I thought, why don't I go volunteer? And Peace Corps just is a great opportunity to give your time. And so when I finished my master's, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to take a chance and see how this turns out. And that's the best thing about Peace Corps is that it's what you make of it. So for some people, it might be two years of doing a certain type of work in another country, and then they're going to keep doing that for the rest of their life. They're going to be traveling to different countries and doing that work. For some of us, it might be we just want to go somewhere, learn about another culture, expand our horizons, become more knowledgeable, and make new friends in a different country, and then go back home and share it with the people here in the United States. And that's kind of the route that I took. And I really miss my friends in Cameroon, but I knew that after two years, I wanted to come back home and, and share my experience with my friends and family here. You are the first Peace Corps volunteer that I've had on the podcast. What advice do you give to people who are applying for the Peace Corps? Because the application process is no joke either. Yeah, and, and now you can kind of choose where you go. Before, when I was applying, you just get whatever country is given to you. And I would really recommend that when people are thinking of applying and, and being a Peace Corps volunteer, think about what you really want to do with the experience. And be okay with that if you get there and it doesn't feel right, you're not happy, it's all right if you don't do it, if you go home. The only way that Peace Corps, I think, really works for the volunteers who are doing it, and then for the people that you're helping or working with in another culture, is that both parties want to be there and working together. And that's how I went into it, and knowing that it's what I was going to make of it. And also, it's a commitment. For me, at least, when I made that commitment, it's like, you know what, this is two years of my life that I get to give to another culture to other people. Yes, it's going to help me to become a better person, but it's two years of I'm doing what's needed, what they need. And I think that almost makes me feel better about 
living my life afterwards is that I was able to give that. So coming back home, I was like, well, even if some of my projects didn't pan out there or all, you know, all we learned was two things about each other, at least then I just gave my time. So you ended up in Cameroon, which is in Africa, mm-hmm. right on the West Coast in Central Africa, underneath Nigeria. What type of training did you guys receive before you went into the country? Did you speak French? I'm assuming that's the official language. Yep. So Cameroon actually is is two languages because they were colonized by the British and also by the French and by the Germans at one point. And so half of Cameroon speaks French, the other half speaks English and then, well, a form of English. And so it depends on where you end up because we all, as Peace Corps volunteers, we went to training for three months and we lived with host families for a couple months. So I was an agribusiness volunteer. And so there was training as far as what the agriculture is like in Cameroon because they have completely different soil types and climate than we have here in New York. So we went to training in that kind of aspect, the agricultural training, and then the cultural training because you're going into a different culture and things are just done differently. Learning that and then learning the language. And it was tough at first, you know, living with a host family where they only spoke French and I had learned maybe... (laughs) A little bit of French before I left. Pretty much my host family said, well, we'll we'll just try and communicate best we can until you do learn French. And so they were really kind. And But that first night, I remember it was raining. The electricity, for the most part, was out all the time wherever we were. So it was out that night. So I'm in a dark place with a tin roof that's making all kinds of noise from the thunderstorm. And my host mom says, well, you know, I'll give you a little bit of bread and the drink before you go to bed, but it's pretty late now. I started crying a little bit. And she, <laughs> she she, said, no, you have to be tough. You have to, you know, and in Cameroonian culture, they're pretty tough most of the time and there isn't a lot of crying. She's like, don't cry. Just, uh, <laughs> just go to bed. It's going to be fine. And she said she was worried about me in the beginning, but by the end, uh, we really became close and they became my Cameroon family. When you first got into country, what did you do? What was your assignment. So Peace Corps has changed a lot since it started in the 60s. And I think now Peace Corps tries to get you to focus on doing a community assessment when you first get into your community and find out what they really need. Sometimes agricultural volunteers will go in there and your community might not need as many agricultural related projects and they might need more health related. So I was lucky enough that there was a volunteer before me who I was replacing who had started a soy project to teach the farmers how to grow soy. And I'd never grown soy in my life, but <laughs> that's the one thing we are giving the Cameroonians is resources. You know, we, can, we know who we can contact in the United States for help. We know how to do the research. And so sometimes it's not the expertise that you're going in. It's the connections and the resources that we can provide. The main thing is that the Cameroonian farmers that I worked with wanted to grow soy because sometimes that's half battle. I mean, if someone came into the United States and said, well, you have to grow this because this is better for you. (laughs) And I mean, nobody's going to listen right off the bat. (laughs) How I did it was they grow soy up in northern Cameroon, a lot of nutrients to it. It also helps the soil because they grow a lot of corn there, which kind of destroys nutrients in the soil. And so northern Cameroon have been doing it. And so I was trying to bring farmers down from there to show if I have a field of, of all corn, and I grow corn, I don't rotate, just corn year after year. The corn is only a certain height. And then 
showing another field where they rotated soy and corn and showing that, wow, that corn is so much higher. Being able to prove and, sh- and show the farmers how soy can really help. And so that was half the battle, was just proving that, that the project was something that the community needed. Yeah. And where was your community? So it was in a, a village called Beca Josere, and that's right near uh, in Gaoundere, which is the main capital of the Adamawa region in Cameroon. Cameroon has different regions. Uh, there is Yaoundé, which is the capital city of the country, but each uh, region also has its own capital. So I wasn't too far away from a major city. I guess you could compare it to Glens Falls here in New York. Um, okay. It's probably what Ngaoundere is kind of like as far as how big it is and um, the amount of restaurants and, and stores. So I love telling uh, my Cameroonian friends that Argyle, where I grew up, has less people in it than the village I lived in in Cameroon, Beko Ozede. Maybe not by a lot, but still less people. And my Cameroonian friends feel like, there's no way, like, you live in a city, you know, you, you get your food at a supermarket and, you know, houses right next door to each other. And I said, are you kidding? My nearest neighbor was <laughs> a mile down the road. Yeah. And so that was another really cool thing is not only was I learning from my Cameroonian friends about their culture and how they live, but they were learning that there were Americans out there, like myself, that lived in small communities, small rural villages where everybody knew everyone. They just they hadn't met an American like me before. So yeah. I would show them videos of my dogs herding sheep out at the farm and things like that. I said, oh, wow, you do that in America. I said, yeah. I said, not all of us live in these big cities, especially when I say New York. I mean, I guess when you oh, say yeah. New York in any... If you say New York in Southwest United States. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the same in Cameroon. So it, we, we learned a lot from each other. But if you think about travel there, most people walk everywhere. So we took motorcycle taxis everywhere. Okay. And uh, trust me, you can fit at least like five or six people on a motorcycle taxi if you really need to. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't really miss the travel there. That's for sure. I was one of the lucky volunteers being near... A city, but it also meant that I had a lot more ground cover because if you're in a small village, a Peace Corps volunteer would just be trying to help the people in that village and maybe the surrounding farmers' fields in that region. Because I was so close to a city area, um, most of the farmers I worked with with the soy project were also in small villages outside of the city because we didn't really have a lot of Peace Corps volunteers in that area. And so I would go into the city and meet different farmers in the markets and they say, hey, we want to see you join your soy project because we would actually visit the fields and make sure that the soy was growing well and answer any questions from them. And I think one of them was about an hour and a half away. Oh, wow. And that's traveling by motorcycle taxi into through muddy roads and especially if it's rainy season where it rains every day. It's kind of uh, <laughs> it's a long, long motorcycle ride in the rain. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really miss the travel in Cameroon, I must say. This is the one thing that's low on my list to ever do again. What is the climate like in Cameroon? It's cl- it's close to the equator, so it's is it humid and rainy? and? It's kind of like Texas, actually, where oh, okay. I was living. Um, so Cameroon, that's the cool part about Cameroon is because it's right on the equator, where I was living had a different climate than just south of there, so southern part of Cameroon. So southern part of Cameroon was right. It was very humid, um, kind of like rainforest, very hot all the time, rainy. Pretty much there's just rainy season and dry season. And so half the year would be dry season where 
it would rain maybe a couple days and that's it. The other half would be rainy season where it rains every day. And so usually the beginning of rainy season is when the farmers would plant. By the end of rainy season, everybody's like, oh, we're so sick of the rain because we, when it rains, nobody goes anywhere because you're, you don't want to go out on a motorcycle in the rain. Yeah. Then it, the rain doesn't come for so long that everybody's missing it. So it's kind of like how we are with winter and, yeah. <laughs> and summer. I mean, each, you look forward to each season that you don't have. I definitely lucked out on the weather. And... I just loved it when it, at night when it get down to about 50 degrees or so sometimes and it was really, you know, but the Cameroonians be like, oh my gosh, it's so cold. And I'm like, you don't know. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> when, if you ever come to visit New York, I'll show you cold during the winter. But um, all the motorcycle taxi guys would have scarves wrapped around them and hats, you know, and just like all bundled up, you know, <laughs> to go out into the cold weather. <laughs> While you were in country, did you have any chance to explore and vacation and see the country and different sites? Yeah, most Peace Corps volunteers get a chance to go around. You get a certain amount of vacation days to, uh, usually that you visit different parts of the country, which in Cameroon, it was nice to travel maybe eight hours to the other side of Cameroon and, and find a different culture and a different climate. Cameroon is very diverse in that aspect. Uh, and that's why they're having their problems today with civil war is about to happen. And they just had elections there definitely there's a lot of turmoil there just because there are just so many different types of cultures in that country. I didn't really know much about Cameroon until I went there, but and so just traveling the different parts it was always really interesting. It's kind of like the United States, you can go to a different state and you have a completely different culture sometimes. Yeah. But I did get to go a little bit outside of Cameroon. I went to Tanzania and climbed Mount Very Kilimanjaro. Cool. It was really cool. Tried to stay in Cameroon for because I didn't know when I would ever get back there. Yeah. Um, hope to visit again someday, but it's a long ride over there. <laughs> As someone who books trips purely based on the fact that I can see monkeys, okay, Monkey Island, you have to yes. tell me how that was. It was pretty amazing. That was a really cool trip. I did that with a few other Peace Corps volunteers. And in Cameroon, monkeys are kind of like deer are here. You don't really see them as much as we see deer, but they get hit by cars all the time. People are hunting them all the time and it's, and people eat monkey there unfortunately um like indiana jones yeah really not supposed to eat monkeys since we're so close to them in um gene pool and everything so um (laughs) passing diseases on it's not really good to eat monkey but they do do that there and so they're trying to save the monkeys from hunters there's an island that's down um southern part of cameroon so they have those the small young monkeys that they they raise for a little while until they're a little bit fully grown and then they put them on this island so that they're safe, but they're not in cages or anything. And so Peace Corps volunteers would find out about this island through everyone. It's not really a tourism place, per se. Right. But if you pay some money to the side and take a car and you can go and uh, meet a few of the younger monkeys, they're kind of like puppies, but they don't realize how big they are. They're like big puppies, and uh, they're not aggressive. It's just... um. They don't know their own strength. And so um, there are all kinds of monkeys that they had there. So I probably am using the term monkey in the wrong sense. But there is one that, gosh, he he just wanted to be thrown around. And I don't think he realized how big he was. I was getting (laughs) tired from just, you know, just playing with them. And then there's no taking a break either (laughs) because they're, you know, and you don't want to you want to take the opportunity that you have. But they were pretty cool to hang out with. And the guys who were taking care of them, they used the money that 
we pay to see them, to take care of them. They just, every time they hear about a monkey that got hit by a car or, you know, needs needs some place to go and they're worried about the hunters, they'll take and put them on this island where they can be free. And we took a couple boats and we didn't go um, on the island because they're full-grown apes, whatever you want, whatever <laughs> yeah. kind they were, and pretty dangerous, but they would throw them fruit from the boats, and they would come up to the shore, and you could see them up pretty close. So we yeah. got close enough where it was safe, I guess, yeah. <laughs> but not too, too close. Is there any other attractions you want to highlight? So that's one thing with Cameroon, that there isn't a whole lot of tourism. It's very different than maybe Tanzania or even Kenya, where they're Cameroon just isn't really set up for the tourism, and especially with Boko Haram being in the north, yeah. um, having so many problems. It's it's like Nigeria. I mean, it's it's dangerous there. And my parents were thinking of coming to visit, and that didn't really pan out. And a, and one of the reasons was it's just there's things to do there, but you really have to know where to go. And it's different for Peace Corps volunteers who maybe serve in Tanzania. The work is still difficult no matter where you go, and the life is still difficult for Americans. But for tourism, um, there are some countries that just have it together more. And unfortunately, Cameroon just, they've had the same president for over 30 years. He's elected, kind of. (laughs) And so I think, unfortunately, Cameroon isn't really, you know, a great place for tourism unless you know where to go and you know somebody there. Yeah. But I hope that someday that changes. They just had their election, so we'll uh, see how it goes. So what was Kilimanjaro like? Uh, it's amazing. I mean, and anyone can really do it. I mean, you have to train a little bit, but it's different than most other mountains where you have to be a hiker and be you know, training all the time and be used to it. Kilimanjaro is such a gradual increase that um, you can do a little bit of training and be okay and especially any age person either. The view is amazing, but the climb is just as amazing because you're going through different terrain each time. It, you're going through jungle where we saw some monkeys, um, and then uh, we you go through something that looks kind of like Star Wars where there's <laughs> this kind of rock desert that <laughs> nothing, oh, is, cool. you know, nothing is there, and then you get to the snow caps at the top, even though the snow caps are almost gone because of uh, climate change but it's uh you get to the top and to me it felt like we weren't supposed to be up there we were seeing something that was kind of out of human reach but somehow we got to see it it was just beautiful yeah i think we did it in about six days i think it's the tallest lone mountain because it's not a range and but it takes so long to get up there because of the altitude there so you could get altitude sickness yeah so just have to take the medicine and gradually go up so that's why it takes so long as well but you have to hire people to go up with you You can't just do it on your own uh, because it's dangerous if you go too fast they work with you and say okay yeah we'll just take more breaks it's not you know want to make want to make sure that everybody gets to the top just it was always a dream of mine to to do that and read the snows of Kilimanjaro (laughs) (laughs) on our way up (laughs) I can imagine that it's a little bit of a culture shock coming back into western society yeah, it definitely was. I came home um, in November of, so it was two years, so 2014, 2016. And it was difficult for a little while. It was good, though. I had a lot of support here, and a lot of my friends stayed in contact throughout the two years and uh, followed my blog, which was, you know, you sometimes you wonder if you're going to lose track of some friends or family in the, when you're gone for so long, but it, I didn't. It was 
they were all very supportive. Maybe they didn't want to come out and visit me in Cameroon, but <laughs> but they were very supportive. So when I came back, everyone listened to my stories. and Because that's something that, as a Peace Corps volunteer, oh, everyone tells you you're going to be telling your stories for a long time, and people are going to get sick of them eventually because <laughs> yeah. you're going to hear them so many times, which is okay. And as long as everyone knows that, and sometimes they'll be like, you already told us that story, Renee. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and even now it's I haven't really talked about Peace Corps in Cameroon, you know, in a little bit, and so even just talking about it with you, it's 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 I'm not as fluent as I was with telling my stories, and yeah. you know, it's taking some practice because I just haven't talked about it in a little while. You know, I I had missed the hot showers. That was oh, the main yeah. thing. Uh, definitely ate a lot of Doritos when I came back. I don't know why I craved those. I don't like them anymore, but <laughs> something I craved within the two years. And just small things that I would notice that we do differently here. I mean, when I first got to Cameroon, I noticed more of the differences of what the Cameroonians did. But coming back here, I questioned more of what we do. Not in a sense of it's wrong. I mean, I'll give you an example. So Cameroonians, if you need a little bit of money for a motorcycle taxi, like I could go up to my neighbors in Cameroon and say, oh, I, I need some money for a motorcycle taxi. And they'll just give me some. And I don't have to pay them back. Yeah. Because the next time they need money for something, they need money for dinner, they come over and ask. And there's no embarrassment or anything. They don't ask for huge amounts, but right. it's more of that give and take. Here, I mean, as Americans, I feel like we kind of, oh, you're going to pay me back that little yeah. bit, you know, or we split checks all the time. It's just a difference of culture, and it's what is expected. I mean, when that when my Cameroonian neighbors asked me for money the first time, I kind of was like, oh, are they going to pay me back? Or, you know, I was kind of questioning it because I wasn't used to the, their culture. And once I realized that it wasn't a big deal, I got used to it. So coming back here to the United States and just noticing the differences even more and catching myself before I do anything, you know, yeah. weird in our culture. Um, another thing with money there, if money is dirty at all, nobody will take it. Banks there will not take back your money. They exchange it very easily. And so sometimes if you have a like a ripped bill, I would try to give it to like a motorcycle taxi guy, like fold it up a little bit and try to get, you know, <laughs> and then try to run away before he notices that it's ripped. <laughs> Or it's really hard to get change there. If you have a big bill, a larger amount bill, um, it's hard to get change in Cameroon. Okay. So here I noticed a couple times when I went to Subway with my dad, I would give the lady a $20 bill and I'd be like, oh, I'm sorry for the big money. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry. And she's like, that's okay. <laughs> you know, not a big deal. It's like, oh, yeah. And my dad kind of rolls his eyes. <laughs> it's just little things like that. It's just the differences in culture and kind of open my eyes to if I see somebody do something in the United States now that I don't agree with I kind of try to think of it more of in perspective yeah you know especially when you think about rural country living in New York <laughs> compared to somebody who's living in more suburban or even city area yeah. we're all going to have different ways of and different cultures different ways of living yeah and accepting that and yeah, I think that's the most the thing that I learned most from Peace Corps and from living in Cameroon. Since her return from Cameroon in 2016, St. Jacques has become the president of the Returned Peace Corps Volunteers of Northeastern New York. They meet monthly to share stories from their Peace Corps service and receive information on upcoming international and travel-related projects. The Returned Peace Corps Volunteers of Northeastern New York encourages everyone, 
including people just interested to attend their meetings. For more information, you can visit their website, rpcv-neny.org. Postcards from the Road is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. Our theme music is Cherry Blossom Wonders by Kevin McLeod. I'm your host and producer, Elizabeth Hill. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your audio app of choice. Visit wamcpodcasts.org for more information. If you would like to submit your travel story, email postcards at wamc.org.